On this episode of Industry Relations, Rob and I talk about this insane housing market. This is Industry Relations, a podcast that's at the intersection of real estate and technology from an insider's perspective with Rob Hahn and Greg Robertson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Casual Friday edition of Industry Relations. Uh, this is Rob, obviously in Casual Friday mode. And with me is my co-host, Greg Robertson. Mr. Greg, you're, you're, you're actually not that casual today. I mean, you look you know, gentlemanly. I, I, yeah, I guess I, I, I've gone in the whole thing of like, of the Steve Jobs, Albert Einstein, and Mark Zuckerberg thing where I just bought seven of the same shirt. Absolutely. Yep. Right. I think they're all black or a couple of them are dark blue like this. Yeah. And um, I just, you know, I got got going on the quarantine and just that's all I wear now is the same yeah. kind of outfit. Um, I, I'm i a big fan. Uh, in fact, my very first job out of college, I worked at this hedge fund uh, called D.E. Shaw. And the owner, the David, the owner was famous uh, because he wore mismatched socks to the office every day. And his rationale was he didn't want to spend the time in the morning to pick out socks that matched. So yeah, he just that's a like, little hey. bit of that. I just hate. I'm not, I'm not very fashion centric. Nothing. Oh, like, you're very fashionable. No, what are I mean you nothing about? ever you know fits right to me, and I just hate the thought process of it. Now it's just like I see these lines of things there, and <laughs> I pick one off the rack, I put it on, and I'm I'm donezo, right? So it, I mean, I wish if I could, if I wish I had a job that we would wear a uniform, that would be perfect for me, or. Even if it was just like a suit I would wear every day, I would love that because I know, okay, yep. here's a list of slack. Here's, here's some slacks, here's yep. some coats and here's yep. my, you know, press shirts. That's yep. easy to pick out, but just like casual. I mean, ugh. you know, you're, you're a senior executive at a corporation. You could always institute a uniform policy. <laughs> just get everybody, you know, like with the name tag. Right. And yeah. 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 So I'm just saying that is a possibility. But uh, great to see you. Good I think uh, you, Ola, Rob. I don't know if I think you act me into I that. Know. I don't know. I know, but like I said, I, today I'm all casual, and it, it is not on purpose. By the way, for those of you who are on watching us on YouTube, that we went red and blue. I'm just saying it's this was not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but speaking of which, if you're listening, just as a reminder, uh, we actually have a YouTube channel now. That's right. And we we would love for you to go check us out and uh, subscribe because we need, I think it's a thousand subscribers. Is that right? Well, a thousand subscribers. We're, we're like legit on YouTube. So it's, right. And the reason for it, so that way we could give you a like human readable URL instead yeah. of being like <laughs> youtube.com slash like WXY, you know, whatever. We would have a readable Crazy. name in the metaverse. Yes. Sure. So, uh, so we sure would like it if you would come check us out. Uh, Smash look for that like. That's right. Look for Industry Relations Podcast and see if you wouldn't mind dropping a subscribe so we could get us a name. That's all we want. We just want to name ourselves. That's really all we want. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're trying to make money on this thing or whatever. Uh, not not from YouTube anyway. I'm gonna be. I mean, we're so new with this video stuff and YouTube. I, I'm gonna one. You know, later on as we continue going, I'm, it's gonna be interesting to find out what our thing of subscribers are yeah. watching and 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 podcasting. Um, you know, audio. I mean, yeah. because we have I'm, we got some feedback today um, from a very nice listener who says that she's uh, listening to us in her car. And, yeah. 
and she's having a conversation too. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty funny because the other the other feedback I've gotten is people screaming at their radio car radio. That's true. At that you, true. I think, Rob, yeah, not me. I, I, most likely at me, but you know, you <laughs> never know. But see, here's the thing: like, I one of the advantages of I think of YouTube because again, when we're just doing pot, normal podcasting. People can't leave comments, whereas on the YouTube channel, people yeah, can. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. they could totally leave a comment saying, like, Rob, you're an idiot or something. And then yeah, I could Greg, respond. Greg, you're a thousand like, percent No, right. you're the I'm idiot. No, totally. Yeah, you know, so more interaction, the better. And, you know, I, one day, I think we talked about maybe, you know, once we kind of get more used to this, we'll schedule like a live stream. So, you know, so that we could actually do this conversation like real time. I think that'll be fun. Yeah, no, live stream. But, we, that, that's our next level of technical right. difficulties, right? That's right. So. That's right. But uh, in the meantime, I mean, let's actually talk about substantive shit because, you know, we could banter. And I think people love us bantering and all. But I think people would prefer we bantered over substantive stuff. Sure. Um, and I think what we decided we want to talk about is the housing market. <laughs> because who better talk about the housing market than two guys who are not economists? Yeah, no, that's the fun part here. Absolutely. Um and this was, you know, in context of, it was kind of a background thing to, I think, a lot of our conversations this year. Uh, you know, certainly our conversation last week with uh, with John, you know, the, we were talking about sort of the Wall Street's take on things. You know, a background to all of that is obviously the housing market, which is absolutely crazy. And as we record this, um, because things are changing by the day, we're recording this the last week of March, uh, the Fed has raised interest rates once. A lot of folks think they're going to raise it like six or eight times this year. Mortgage rates are already over four and a half percent. They're probably heading to five, maybe heading to six. And as a result, we're seeing a lot of content, a lot of videos, a lot of analysis, a lot of folks coming out saying, look, the housing market's about to collapse. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think so. But yeah. Yeah. I don't think so either. But what's what's your take? Like, what do you expect? Well, I'll start. I'll start with a story, right? Of just the craziness, and I'm not sure if I've told this before, but I'll say it again. I had a family member. Um, my sister actually just sold her house, right? So she um, she listed it for six ninety nine. Um, estimate and other things. You know, I guess I'll just say this estimate for now. I think he said it was seven oh seven. Um, her realtor had a plan of like, okay, we're going to have one open house on a Saturday from 12 to two and that's it. We'll uh, be accepting offers um, starting at two o'clock on the following Monday and then making a decision that, that evening at five o'clock. Um, so she got in a multiple offer situation. The offer that she accepted was number one was they would uh, put a, uh, earnest money in of a, of a, of a hundred thousand dollars. And if they didn't close, she got to keep that money. And the final offer was six, uh, sorry, $836,000 from a six ninety nine asking price. So that's just crazy town. Now this is South of Seattle and the yeah. Pierce County area. If uh, people want to kind of know where that's at. And it's just, I mean, you, you listen to that and you just go, how insane is that? Right. And then, of course, I'm like, you know, <laughs> I told her, here's what you do. Like, you got the, has the check for $100,000 cleared? Okay, good. So what I want you to do, they want to have their grandfather who didn't get to see the house when they first bought, you know, first made the op, wants to go see it, you know, during this time. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little bit cautious on that, but I'm what you, I, I told her what to do is like go in the living room, take some chalk, uh, draw a pentagram in the middle of the living room, light some candles, 
and then leave and let them come in and view the house. They'll think it's haunted and then leave. <laughs> and she gets to keep the hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Hire biker gangs to hang out. Yeah, you know, exactly. The buyer comes so, by. She's not taking my advice on that. Thank God. But um, yeah, there's, there's all sorts. Of, but, I mean, it's just, idea. you know, six ninety nine to 836K. Hundred thousand dollars. I mean, just it's it's stupid right now, right? And this yeah. is uh, within within the past, you know, thirty days, right? So it's yeah. not, oh, it's uh, it's not, you know, that that far back, right? So, and I don't see, you know, the 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 vibe that I always heard was like, okay, two thousand twenty two, it's gonna be crazy, but not as crazy as two thousand twenty one, and it's now it's just looking like two thousand twenty two is just saying, hold the beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's just, it is crazy. And even with the interest rates now, it's still in a lot of markets, just nuts. Um, yeah. And I don't, you know, the, the, the stuff that I read, at least it's like two more years still, right. That we're in this kind of situation. Or more. I mean, I don't know. It really depends. So obviously when you start talking about macroeconomics, the whole thing is like, nobody knows, you know, nobody knows. We're all guessing we're all. And what I realized I'm starting to get a little bit more confidence in talking about economics issues, even though I'm not an economist. I just look like one because I'm like, look at the track record of economists. You know, it's not like those guys have been blowing it out the water either. So I feel like, hey, I could be equally as wrong. (laughs) But having said that, I mean, there are all these different views. The the narrative that makes the most sense um, is rates are going to go up. Buyer demand will drop, and therefore the housing prices and housing transactions should drop. I mean, that's supply and demand. It's a law, right? Supply and demand exists in real estate as much as it exists anywhere else. So, you know, what's been driving prices crazy, what's been driving the housing market crazy is lack of supply. We haven't built for like 10 years, population growth, uh, COVID, consumer demand. You know, people realize, like, I don't want to live in a 400 square foot apartment. I want a house because. Now my house is not just the house, it's my office, it's my movie theater, it's my bar. Cool. And yeah, that's the expectation the of what a home is is way different Correct. than it was a couple of years Correct. ago. Sure. That's the narrative. And yet, I mean, but so there's conflicting message. I just saw a stat today that um, February home sales transactions are down 4.5%. Prices are still up, <laughs> but the transactions are down. So meaning, so suggesting that with higher rates, you know, and uh, homes becoming completely unaffordable, a lot of buyers are just leaving. So the number of transactions aren't going to keep up, but the home prices are still way up, right? What do you make of that? You know, it's I, I don't. It's it's really difficult to interpret. Now, having said that, uh, as you kind of suggested at the pre-show, you figure we're just going to start talking, and I'm going to say something crazy, and then. <laughs> <laughs> So here's my something crazy, okay? but I'm going to try and back it up and show why it's not crazy. I think, and I've said this in our previous, like I think we're going to talk about Marge versus Brenda. I've mentioned this as well. A long-term, like the last couple of years, my whole thesis around the housing market has been that we're not in a seller's market. We're not in a hot housing market. What we have is dollar devaluation. Right? We have currency devaluation because the Fed went and printed like $8 trillion dollars um, and therefore, what we see as really insane prices, it's simply that the dollar's been devalued. 
Nothing to do with supply. I mean, I- nothing to do with supply, nothing to do with demand, yeah. because the supply has been a problem for a decade or more, and it's just prices are absolutely insane anyway. And I think it's because the dollar is not worth what it was two years ago, three years ago. And here's how I'm going to try to prove that. Uh, let's I mean, that I could can- be. I don't know if that factors in the supply, but I mean that that it could mean you know that could factor in the, the appreciation of homes for sure, but not. Yeah. Not supply. Well, I mean, what I mean, supply's been low for 10 years, right? And it's so Not I don't this think... low, right? Not this low. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, we've been talking about supply problems for at least 10 years. I mean, you know, it I really, mean, but, you know, come on. This has really come to help, like, you know, do the pandemic and stuff, right? This has changed. I mean, this this really supply thing has been a, it's really been a two-year conversation. I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember being on some panels five years ago talking about, oh, shit, the supply sucks. I mean, we were- Oh, still- dude, no, I do. I totally remember NAR's been talking about lack of supply. We're not building enough for, you know, I don't know, as long as I've been paying attention to NAR and The Economist. But if you wouldn't mind, EJ, could I throw up that slide real quick? All right. Wait, hold on. I you have to share slides. This. I wasn't told I could bring slides. I invented you, one. You could bring slides. Oh, like we're now, not debating. Now I now I know I can bring slides now. Absolutely. Okay. So this is so a website. you guys had some sort of pre meeting that you're going to do slides, nah. and I didn't. I'm not even aware of this. Hey man, we're in 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 the spirit of we're getting used to the video world, right? Okay. YouTube, right. maybe. Okay. So anybody okay. listening on this, um, you know, I'm pulling up a website called Priced in Gold. It's one of my favorite websites I've found recently. What this guy does is he goes and computes the, computes the price of various things in ounces of gold because his thesis is like mine. It's the dollar's been devalued. We've had this currency in value, uh, inflation. And this was the most interesting chart for me because we are obviously in the real estate space. So let me show you, make that a little bit larger. What I'm looking at is the Case-Shiller Price Index. The blue line is in U.S. dollars, and the red line is if you priced it in ounces of gold. And what wow. the showing is, really, even with, I mean, I know this ends in like 2019, you know, so maybe there's a more recent version of this. But even 2019, we're way below. We're at like 1985 levels, right? Look at where it was in the, the housing bubble years, right? And then look at the crash that we had. Right, the blue line crash, and then we're way straight back up. It, we're still in gold terms. Home prices are pretty low in gold terms. So all I'm saying is, and I would, if I could, we could get rid of that. All right. All I'm saying is, I don't know that the home prices, like if if inventory, if supply were truly the problem, we wouldn't see this. Right. We wouldn't see that gap in price in dollars versus price in gold. Well, that was pre-pandemic. All the stuff you showed it was pre-pandemic. I'd love that, to that's that. That's true. That's yeah. true. I mean, and I wish I had something, you know, more recent. Uh, let me see if I... No, they, maybe I got to think about, let me find some three-year-old charts that I can use to make a point. All right, here we go. Let's let's bring that back. <laughs> How about this? This is a little bit post-pandemic, right? Here's green. Here's red. Well, I mean, that's still, what is that? Still first quarter of 2020. Uh, no, I think that's every year, man. One, two, three, four, well, five, I mean, six. The pandemic was May of 2020, March of 2020. So this is going to 2022. Oh, yeah. oh okay. I see what or, you're yeah. right? or at least December. So it's, not, so it's gone up. It's gone up since the pandemic. It's gone up slightly, but not 
to the same degree, I think. Right. Right. So I'm just saying, like, I <clears throat> again, this is just one data point, right? I'm not discounting the supply problem, actually. I'm really not. All I'm saying is the supply problem's been with us for 10, 20 years. Right, so we can't explain this giant spike in pricing. You know, it's uh, six six ninety nine list price or whatever you mentioned five ninety nine list price to eight hundred and change. You know, yeah. like breaking the systems. Like like you mentioned the in a previous podcast. Like there's no CMA in the world that's going to be able to. Yeah, calculate. No. <laughs> right? there's it's just not. Yeah, there's no algorithm. There's no Correct. anything. Right, it's just Correct. it's it's more of a. You know, you just have to have a pricing strategy like this agent had. It's like, you know, I think the reason they had just a two-hour open house is just to to build, you know, give this kind of sense of exclusivity or, or scarcity, right? I mean, it's right. all about that. It's like the strategy is to get to multiple offers. When you're in a multiple offer situation, you know, God knows. I mean, nobody knows what a house is worth nowadays. No. Nobody. Right. Right? Yeah. So I mean, it doesn't happen everywhere. I mean, there's markets where this kind of, you know, you know, we're talking about coastal cities, Seattle, with, you know, a lot of things going on in there. But yeah. still, it's just, you know, a bulk, you know, the aggregate, you know, volume of the of the dollars sold to those homes around those right. areas. I mean, you know, you could have one home sell for, you know, what, four homes sell in, in Ohio or something, right? So even though, although I've heard Ohio is crazy, right? So no, everyone's crazy. Yeah. I mean, so I just saw a, it, when I was researching for a previous thing, I saw a, a chart, a study. I want to say it came from Redfin. And they're looking at housing markets across the country. And some of the markets in Florida, like Tampa area, Clearwater was, was one that I remember, are like literally going crazy, right? We're talking 45% year-over-year price gains. 45%. And I'm like, that's crazy. Yo. You know, I, that's not, I don't think that's supply issue. Obviously, supply and demand, because clearly the suggestion is a bunch of New Yorkers, a bunch of people in Chicago, a bunch of people from, you know, cold weather, blue states that are locking the shit out of, you know, locking down and whatever. A lot of them are just leaving and fleeing to Florida. Okay. But that's the, we're still talking 45% year over year increase. What is that, like 4% a month? Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's, Yeah, no, it's nuts. I mean, there's no algorithm. There's no prediction. I don't care how many years you've been in business as a realtor. There's no way you could predict. Uh, we should price it here. Like, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, there's so many things. I don't think it's just one thing that's causing the supply issue. I mean, they talk about millennials. There's a ton of millennials that are having kids now, right? So that, that changes dynamics. The whole work from home thing. Like, you know, sure. when you when, before when you were in New Jersey working at this company and you had to be there because X, Y, and Z. And then you would, you know, I, when I lived in South Florida in Boca Raton, I mean, everybody was from the Northeast, but right. they were, you know, old, older, right. They were retiring yeah, right. To, right. To, to Florida, right. They couldn't move before. Well, now there's no reason not, why do I have to live in New Jersey? I can live, you know, in, in Delray beach. If I want to, I can live in That's Palm right. beach. I can live in, you know, Boynton beach or whatever. Right. That's so, right. And they, there's nothing holding them back, so that moves it. I, you know, there's just so many economic deals, social deals, all kind of adding up into this kind of thing. I just don't. And and it's, sure, if you want to add the devaluation of the dollar on that, I agree with you, right? But I don't think yeah. that's a fundamental, 
right? I think there's the other things kind of trump that a bit. Uh, maybe. I mean, so I think the way I would look at it is if we did not have the devaluation dollar, home prices would still be higher, right? I'm just saying they wouldn't be 45% higher. Right, right, right. That's all I'm saying, right? Yeah. That I'm saying that a lot of what we're seeing, I don't think we have like a super hot housing market necessarily. You know, this, you well, know, I mean, this you know, 6.2 million homes sold last year. That's the, the highest rate since in 15 years. I mean, that, right. that's just the qualify. No, but I, put, I don't, it doesn't feel like a super hot seller's market in the way that we would normally experience it. It feels like an abnormal market, primarily oh, because of yeah. macroeconomic distortion. Right? Yeah. So I still it is think. Abnormal. Yeah. And again, if you looked at home prices in gold, it's still below like 2000 levels. Right. Well, what do you think, I mean, excuse me. Bless you. So that's I all. Mean, right? Do you think, I mean, you were saying, uh, you, you were writing, I guess, basically, you're talking about how you think there's like this endless seller's market coming for us? Oh, man. I'm having my sneezing fits. Yeah. I, th I think so. It, if, and I, I know I'm out on the limb, right? Keep in mind, I'm the guy who says 60% of transactions would be I buyer. So yeah, keep that okay. in mind. I, you know, I keep that in mind all the time, Rob. Of course. Uh, but I think if this is primarily because of problems with our fiat currency system, then yeah, I think this is seller's market forever. Why? I don't think inflation is going to be below 8%. I, I just don't. I could be wrong. And here's how I could be wrong. If Jerome Powell and the Fed really does show some backbone and really does raise rates to what it needs to be, which is roughly 18%, if they're really willing to embrace 18% interest rates with the absolute economic devastation will cause the economy, like they were going to tank the economy, like beyond recession, it's potentially like depression level. If they're willing to do that, then yeah, then I think, you know, we'll get inflation down to 2% and then we'll have, you know, sort of a normal quote-unquote, normal economy again um, after we go With 18% interest rates. No, it's what I mean is that you have to raise it to bring it back down. Right. And look, that's what Volcker did, right? So some of the older realtors who are around in the 80s, early 80s, during the Reagan-Volcker era, they remember 18% mortgage rates. They remember 20% mortgage rates. No, I rates. remember buying a, a condo at, in my first one, actually. I think I was like at seven and a half, mm -hmm. right? I mean, so, yeah. you know, the, the three point... Yeah. Two five I have now. I mean, is even the four point five people can get now is still to me, it's crazy low, right? Yeah, it's very low, and yeah. it, the, the four point. So here's the thing: if nominal inflation is eight percent, four and a half percent, bank is still paying me to borrow money. Right, right. So everything depends on, and again, whether you believe the nominal inflation rate. I don't. I think it's way higher than that. So it's sort of that. Short of that, man, I don't see how home prices ever come down, right? And you look at sort of inflation trends right now, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. Like, I just recently drove through California. <laughs> like, you guys are close to seven bucks a gallon for gas. It's 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 not a good situation here, right? But, you right. know, there's, we have all, all this other kind of taxes and subsidies added to that that make it, you know, larger of than course. anywhere else. But, yeah. But, you know, so gas is up. Uh, food prices are up. Uh, everything's more expensive. Like why? And you're telling me home price is going to drop? Why? Uh, where, so this is what the Musings video I did a couple weeks ago, right? And I remember asking this question. This, so we could talk about the housing market, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but this is a question I've asked just about everyone that I've spoken to. 
So our listeners, if you are in real estate, if you're, if you're a listing agent, especially, I want to hear from you. And here's what I want to know. Say you saw your home and you made top dollar, your sister, who's, so I'll ask you, what do you do with this money? Yeah, and it's a good question. I mean, you know, I think um, the situation a lot of people find themselves in is that, you know, they can sell their house for the, the most money top they've ever dollar. done, top right. dollar, but where do they go? So right. a lot of people are moving somewhere to a cheaper place, right? Right. Um, they have that kind of, they don't have to pay that capital gains because of it, it's right, below right. a certain threshold. Um, in the case of, you know, my family, it's moving into a house that we already, you know, had that was occupied by our now elderly parents, right? And getting that remodeled, right? So right. a lot of that stuff being put back in there to kind of fit their their family needs, right? So right. Um, otherwise, it's, you know, it would go into savings and, you know, hopefully into some investments for them, uh, to but that's, the future, but right? That's exactly what I was asking. Okay, like, yes, you can get top dollar if you sell today. If you're buying another house, guess what? You're paying top dollar. Right. If you're right. buying, so unless yeah. you're, right. Unless you're moving to some, you know, place that, that isn't, you know, that, that has a much, you know, more normal right. housing so, kind of cost. Right. If you're doing geographic arbitrage, so if you're selling in San Jose, right, and then you're buying in Texas, then that makes sense, but yeah. that but that geographic arbitrage existed ten years ago, right? So in 2011, when I moved out of New Jersey, moved to I don't Houston, think it was that, but that spread was not there. You, you didn't the house in in California wasn't appreciating 45 percent back then, so the spread was different. It wasn't as wide. Uh, there, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, the coastal cities, certain areas, you know, the it appreciated more. What I'm saying is, in 2011, when I moved from New Jersey to Texas, I remember walking like. We, we could buy this amazing ginormous house for cash. Right. Right. Because of the gains we would have made. So that arbitrage already always existed. This is not new. What's new is just the insane level of arbitrage. Right. Yeah. I mean, that part's new. So that's one of the things I keep asking is, okay, so you sold your house. Congratulations. Unless you're doing geographic arbitrage, what are you doing with this money? So to your point, yeah, maybe if you're in that situation, we have another home, right? Uh, my parents passed and they left us a home. So we're going to sell our, you know, yep. starter home. Okay. That makes all sense world. You've sold your starter home. Here's the next question. Cool. You're not buying another house. Okay. Where are you putting this money where you can make 45% of your annual returns? Yeah. No kidding. Like if, if you owned a, 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 some rental property in Clearwater and you sold it, right? I'm like, okay, where are you putting this? What investment is going to get you <coughs> better than 45%? So to me, the answer has to be that you are betting that the housing market will come down. That you that you are betting that you're selling at the top of the market and then you're going to re-enter right, later. Sure, sure, sure. That feels like a real dangerous game to me in this market. Because like I said, I don't think there's a bubble. I could be wrong. I don't think home prices drop. I think maybe the pace of growth slows. So instead of it being 18% a year, it'll be 8% a year. Okay, well, if home prices are growing at 8% a year, what's inflation doing? Right? What's interest rate doing? You know, What's any of that doing? And where can you put this money where you're going to do better than putting in housing? Right. Yeah, which I is mean, a, this should be good news for our, for our listeners who are yeah, agents, if they right? Could, if they could find those right houses to kind of invest in, but it is a, you know, I'm, you know, I, I, I 
of course, I'm in real estate. You're in real estate. I'm sure you look at homes all the time, right? I, I love course. going to open houses and looking and like, you know, figuring out the cap rate on this or that, right? And and that's, it's, it's something I've thought of being in a position where like, okay, let's, let's buy that house for 1.1. 1. 1. I, you know, mm-hmm. it's worth seven, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> right. but knowing that that thing might be, you know, 1.3 by the end of the year. Sure. Right. And it's just, and just not even renting it out, you know, sure. just sitting on that thing like a stock. Yeah. And just, okay, I'm going to make that 8%, right. And see, yeah. you know, and just make sure it's over the year mark, I guess. Right. But um, yeah. yeah, no, it's, 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 I wonder if there's, you know, how many people are, uh, I wouldn't even call them flippers, right. Because they're not really doing anything to them. They're just uh, sitters. Maybe we call them sitters. They're, they're right? just, they're just literally traders. Right. Yeah. Like not traitors, like, you know, yeah. Russia. I mean, like they're trading, like just buy it, just sit on it three yep. months, sell it for, Put your cars in the garage or whatever, yeah. you know, use it as whatever. And then, yeah. and then wait, 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 boom, here you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, there's no question that like things like I buying is benefiting from that home price appreciation. There's no question that, you know, the industry is somewhat distorted because of that. Right. I and mean, we, we all know this, but that's the housing market. So now the question is, is it going to reverse? Is it going to change because rates are higher? I mean, I, I think that's the question. But now seems like a good point to once again ask our our listeners. <laughs> I know if you've enjoyed this back and forth, enjoyed this, this so point, far, please yeah. smash that like and and subscribe to this on the YouTube. Finally, we we want a name. That's all. We just want to have a name. So please uh, come and subscribe. But <laughs> so let's talk about that, Greg. Do you think home prices go down because rates are up? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Right? Right. Um, you know, um, I think it was the last or one of the, one of the podcasts we talked about, which was really enlightening, was talking about whether we have a supply problem when, you know, again, it was 6.1 million homes that were sold last year. Right. Well, that was, you know, the biggest number of homes sold in uh, for 15 years, right? So that doesn't, you know, that number is bigger. So it's is it a supply problem? But mostly it's a velocity problem. They're just on the market later right i mean for a longer time right and i think um that's more what it's going to be i I think you're going to have maybe longer days on market and the velocity won't be as as uh fast and therefore you know you're going to have less since since that's taking longer there'll be less homes sold this year um but appreciation yeah i mean there's just so many levers you could you could you could kind of flip back and forth here to come up with whatever you want. Correct. Um, but man, I mean, you're just starting to see these interest rates go up now. But, you know, so far this year, it hasn't, you know, it's just been crazy. It's been crazier yeah. than ever. Yeah. And so, I don't think the, so the final piece is, I don't think the rate hikes can last. You know, I know the market's already talking about six to eight rate hikes and, you know, all that. I'm like, Again, I follow different economists. I follow different analysts, you know, on Twitter and on, on the internet. And I've mentioned this guy's name multiple times. But I think Luke Groman over at Forest for the Trees is one of the best macroeconomists, from my perspective, explains it for me. And the point that he makes is, if we raise rates, first of all, the economy tanks, right, which drops tax receipts, and it makes the federal government's borrowing impossible. 
And last time we checked, federal government, we're at $30 trillion in national debt. You raise rates to 5 6%, man. Like, debt service alone will eat up most of, our, most of the tax. Like, the country's bankrupt, right? And what's the scenario at which politicians are going to go to baby boomers and tell them, guess what, uh, no Social Security for you. Right? Guess what, no Medicaid for you. Guess what? We're going to get rid of food stamps. Like, there's no scenario where that happens, right? So his point is, look, the Fed's going to raise rates a couple times maybe to make it seem like they're going to do something, but they ultimately can't. They're caught between a rock and a hard place. And the choice is really inflation or unemployment. Okay, well, if, that's, if those are the choices, I'm willing to bet on inflation. I'm willing to bet on home prices going up forever. Right. And that's the context behind why yeah i mean that, that, there's there's a narrative i've heard before that's almost it's the same thing you're saying in a way but the narrative on that side is is that owning a home is now for the elite there's no question for the one percenters for the whatever it becomes and that's just a shame right i mean it is that you know that that's where it comes from and so you you know you can say well it's going to be a seller's market going forward but really you know i guess another way that people are saying that which tracks is that it's just it's only going to be for a certain class of people that can own a home now and that's just sad that's, it is uh, sad and it's something that i've been pointing out for almost a i don't know decade now about millennials and how their generation screwed and how we as an industry really need to start switching our focus and attention towards buyers and wannabe buyers and millennials specifically um because as of right now as we're you know in 2022 millennial home ownership rate is below 50 percent and millennials are not kids anymore the oldest millennials are 40 they have children right and even with that their home ownership rate is under 50 percent and they're the first generation in you know, in history, in American history, with you know, where homeownership was below fifty percent, could that change over the next couple of years? Oh, God, I hope so. Because here's the flip side of that: they're also, you know, why do we care so much about millennials? They're the biggest generation, right? Yeah. Since the boomers, it's the boomers, and then Gen X. We don't matter. We're both Gen X. We don't matter. We may as well not exist. And then millennials, right? As you know, that's that famous. Uh, uh, chart that showed like the generation was like silent boomers, millennials, Gen Z. And there's all these tweets and memes going around Gen X. Like, yeah, the si- we, we, we over here just kind of like watching the fight between millennials and boomers. Yeah, like, exactly. We don't need to be part of this. It's cool. Just leave us out of it. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I've been talking about for a long time was this problem with millennials. Dude, I just, I think just put up like a quick text on my blog. Um, I just saw a, an episode of a really popular podcast slash YouTube channel uh, called uh, Breaking Points. Uh, Crystal and Sager, they, and they have like seven, almost a million you know, subscribers. So this is a big channel. And they specifically called out what they call generational war between boomers and millennials over housing. Oh, wow. And I... So it's not just the elites, it's also generational, right? And here's the- Well, issue. yeah, I think I've read some stuff before where like, nobody wants your house, Boomer, right? It's just, they're too big. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not really mm-hmm. built for what a millennial wants, right? And, and, Supposedly, and, uh, but, yeah. but you know, I think it's beyond that. I think it's that millennials just can't, they ain't got no money. 
you know, they can't afford it. Yeah, I mean, there there are several narratives out there, and I know you know this this thing you go on a renter nation kind of thing, yeah. and yeah. There, I don't know. Did you catch um, that sixty minutes um, story? Was it last weekend? No, I don't have TV, so no, no. I didn't catch. Of course, of course, you don't, right? Yeah. But anyway, it was it was about you know basically the house housing and yeah, and really what it was about was like, and they had a few Redfin people. There was almost like a commercial for Redfin in a sense, but you know talking about all these institutional buyers, right? Sure. Yeah. But I mean, I, th- those are kind of to me sensational stories, right? They talk about invitation homes and blacks Blackstone and blah blah blah. But you know yeah. when you look at those numbers, they're less than one percent of housing. Correct. But everybody right. wants to make such a big deal about. That's you know, right. These institutional buyers, are, you know, it's, a, it's like a boogeyman now. Right. And, you know, 60 Minutes does a whole segment on this shit. Right. And it's less than 1% of the housing, right? But I, I, it's I sensational. Get the fascination with it. But, well, the fascination is because it's a lot easier for politicians to go after, you know, the Black Rocks and the Invitation Homes, right? Than to go after whatever, 50%. The yeah, the small time investors, you know, the. The, the retired teacher and cop who owned two condos in Phoenix. I mean, it's way easier for them to go after invitation homes. But the problem is, if it becomes a generational war, right? If it becomes millennials versus boomers, and boomers have all the houses, they have all the money, because they're the ones who bought houses when it was $70,000. Right. You know what I mean? And now those houses are $2 million bucks. Like, Well, we all know who's going to win that war, though, right? I mean... Do we? Who do you think wins that war? They're fucking gonna die, man. <laughs> right, that's the boomers what... are gonna die. For you know, <laughs> no. so so just from that, <laughs> you know, exactly. it's not like science is not gonna change things, right? I mean, uh, exactly. nature has a very a good change agent for that. It's called death. <laughs> exactly. One way or the other, boomers are ex- gonna exit the scene. Yeah, one way or another is right, and I I, I know for sure that the, one of the ways is is uh, is guaranteed. Right. And here's the issue. <clears throat> if millennials, because right now the voting is like boomers still have all the voting power. They vote more than millennials, right? That's going to flood. If millennials below 50% home ownership and they see this as a generational war issue, like, dude, we're going to see policies come down the pike that are absolutely insane and stupid. And yet it's going to happen. Why? Because it's politically popular. Your state, right? I mean, thankfully, they've made some changes that are good, like the whole ADU thing. But weren't you all talking about statewide rent control at one point? I don't know if it was statewide. There was, I don't remember any statewide stuff. I mean, but, you know, you in Nevada, you guys hear a lot of things about California that aren't true. And we hear a lot of things about you that aren't true, I'm sure. I don't know. I've heard nothing about Nevada, except that we're California's little sister. I mean, (laughs) you know. Which which doesn't make, you know, a lot of folks here in Nevada happy. But still, my point simply is we're going to see crazy-ass policies if millennials, which will become the largest voting bloc, are below 50% homeownership. Yeah. And this kind of stuff that I'm like, if we're not paying attention to it now, when are we going to pay attention to it? Right? Are we going to start paying attention to it when we see some national federal property tax? You know, are we waiting for a ban on investor homeownership? Like, what, what are we waiting for? Right. And as I I make this point a lot when I talk to realtor associations, this has to be your number one focus from a lobbying standpoint. Right. Like 
now's not the time to go and start talking about fucking flood insurance. Now's the time we have to go talk about how are we going to make millennial home ownership over 50%. Right? We have to. You know, this becomes an existential threat type of situation. I, mean, I just feel like we don't talk about it enough. We just talk about like, prices are great. Don't, you know, like we're making money like crazy. Yeah, that's great. But if we don't solve this home ownership thing for the younger generation, we're going to have a generational war, right? We're going to have all these horrible ideas come down and we've got to deal with it. So that's... Yeah, and yeah, some of these policies are, are wackadoo. I think there was oh, one completely. in California where you couldn't flip up, you, you know, they were going to tax you or you could there was right. a restriction on flipping homes, right? That's right. Because, you know, everybody sees that on HGTV and like that's, they think that's the biggest thing out there. That's right. I guarantee it's probably less than half of half of half of one of percent of the oh, homes. It's, it's worse than that, Greg, because that tax, if you actually read the bill, right? says, you know, the way that the media presented it is uh, it's like a 75% tax or 25% tax if you sell within three years, right? So, okay, no, but if you read it, after that, every year, you're still getting taxed, right? After Until seven it? years, right? Jeez. So I'm like, this isn't a flipper tax. This is a straightforward property transfer tax, right? And they're calling it a flipper tax because hopefully that'll allow them to get it past the legislature. I'm like, but if you read it, if you own the home for few, less than seven years, you're going to pay a tax. Or it might be 10 years. I can't remember. Dude, most people own their home for about seven years. So yeah. if you're a young family, you bought a home, some starter home for three bed, you know, three bed, two bath, figuring, you know, we're going to move up in five years. We're going to have another kid. You're going to hit with another tax. That is not a flipper tax. That's just a straightforward property sales tax. And it's, it's shit like that. It's, and I think the pot's going to pull stuff like that because of the market being crazy. Right? Okay, so then, you know, maybe wrapping, you know, that up into like, it, as you said, like, this is an existential threat. I mean, what, what in your opinion should, if NAR, yeah. you know, big lobbying, they have these, they have yep. this money, they have this influence. Yep. What policy should they be I guess, are you making, do you have any ideas for policies that they should be pushing or that NAR, that should just, this this whole thing about the 50% ownership, falling below 50% ownership, getting that over for millennials, over 50% is the number one thing. Do you have any ideas for policies on that or just I, the I, fact that these guys, that's what their North Star should be right now? I, I, I don't because I'm not you know in that world. Uh, I will say that, like I said, I recorded a, a podcast uh, that I should be already released with uh, Tobias Peters from AEI. He they he has some ideas, but from a, within the industry standpoint, I will say this: I think if NAR, as an association, as an organization, decided that this is the number one thing, right, that getting millennial and you, like younger generations home ownership over fifty percent is the most important they could do. One concrete step that NAR could take is everyone who's on the committee should be a millennial or younger, right? Every single person who sits on any sort of RPAC policy, federal policy committee should be 40 or younger. And yeah, it's not I mean, a diss on the older Yeah, no, realtors. I mean, the average age right now is, is definitely late 50s, right? Correct. It's so, 58, I mean, right? Yeah. And I'm like, look, uh, if this is your number one priority, at a minimum, you need to say, we need you to serve in some other capacity, right? 
this stuff has to be 40 and under realtors. And maybe it's not just realtors. If you're really serious about it, you go and invite the 40 and under consumers. Right. right? People and say, what do you guys think we should do? Because we're the most powerful housing lobby. How should we go about it? If it were that important, that's 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 the suggestion I would make. Because again, I'm not a I'm not a millennial, right? You and I are Gen Xers. And we're both already homeowners. I don't know that we would know what those people need. I think I'll go ask them. Go ask some 30-year-old renter, hey, what what policy should we be pushing? That would be my recommendation. And they'll they'll probably come up with something. A lot of those something's gonna be crazy. You go and ask a 30-year renter, what should we do? They'll be like, national rent control, yeah. student loan forgiveness. <laughs> you know, like, okay, well, we're not doing that, right? But is there something we could do? Could there be, as an example, I will come up with one idea because it's not my idea. This came from uh, Tobias Peter. Did you know that AEI has something called uh, Wealth Building Home Ownership Loan? Have you ever heard of this? Right. And that's crazy. Like, think about how many years we have been in the yeah. real estate industry. So what, how, what's, what, how does that work? So it is apparently a version. So what they did is, I think it's a 20-year term. So they went from a 30-year to a 20-year term, right? And there's different things. It's like, instead of a down payment, you buy down the interest rate, right? And the idea behind it is that the buyer, borrower, can build home equity way faster than they would under a traditional 30-year fixed rate. Right. And I'm like, this is the first time I've ever heard of it. Right. Um, and these guys at AEI came over there in 2015. Apparently, this exists. This product is in the marketplace, and some national credit unions do offer this product. Right. Um, and they have all sorts of ideas for how to do that. But one thing that they've suggested, because this is the reason why we've not heard of uh, 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 home, uh, home equity, whatever, wealth building. Right, home equity loan, why we have not heard of it. There's no secondary market. So every credit union, every bank that makes these loans, they have to hold it. They can't sell it. Oh, wow. Okay. Why can't they sell it? That's, that's, because, a, limit, that's a limitation for sure. Correct. So the question is, why can't you sell it? It's very simple. There's no GSE backing. So from a policy standpoint, one thing that could happen is for the FHFA to go to the Fannie and Freddie and say, hey, we need you guys to guarantee these wealth building home loans. Overnight, we would have secondary market, you know, and that would be one suggestion. Now, I don't know, I haven't studied that loan product, but I'm just passing on something I have heard. So two things, number one, NAR, if this is important to you, make sure those committees are, are filled with younger people, right? And number two, from a specific idea standpoint, maybe have invite AEI, you know, invite those scholars to come and talk to those, you know, your committees about the wealth building home loan and what, if anything, NAR could do to help push that along to make this more available. That, that would be my take, man. And again, that's coming from a Gen Xer. So please feel free to completely ignore what, what uh, Greg and I have to say about this. Um, and I, you know, but yeah, well, I think this is good discussion because we're coming into the spring selling season yep. um, and it's going to be really interesting to see at the end of the season, what the numbers come back at. I think all yeah. the kind of stuff I'm reading is all predictions should be kind of record breaking. Um, and I think they're even factoring in its interest rate. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, I know it's tough because, you know, just to kind of finish up here with, um, 
you know, a lot of vendors out there, it's like, you know, they have products and services like, you know, a CMA. How do you price a yeah. house now? Sure. Um, how do you advertise houses, right? With with ads you sell. Sure. Um, you know, the velocity is, is happening so fast. Um, how do you market homes and using tools to market the homes? How do you, um, you know, get these homes, get these homes financed when they're, you know, such high dollars. I mean, there's the vendor part of community of the market of, of this industry we're in is not prepared for this kind of no. this craziness. Right. And it's, it's going to be interesting yep. to see how, how they respond with different. <clears throat> um, and I, you know, I see some companies like, you know, my, I think I talked about this before. Like I like a lot of these companies are doing offer solutions like for mm-hmm. multiple offer things, but I guess they're rooting for you for your, uh, prediction to come true where it's always going to be a seller's market and meaning there's going to be a lot of multiple offers to thing, but yeah, you know, once the market turns are our products like that can even mean anything. Right. Um, so it's a, there's a lot, you know, that are writing on this. So it's going to be yeah. interesting to see what this spring selling season looks like. Yeah. And then if, I'll just leave it with my, what thing that I'm most curious about for the spring selling season. I most want to see whether we see investor activity rise or fall. That's what I'm most interested in because if mortgage well, because rates are, it, could, it could it could finally crack one percent. I mean, no, no, I, I mean investors as a whole, not necessarily just the institutions. Oh, because here's what, what I'm thinking about: it is mortgage rates are going to go up. They're already four and a half percent, right? We should see consumer demand fall. The question is, will investor demand step in and replace that or not? Right. We don't know the answer. If they if they do, dude, we're gonna have home prices be high forever. If they do, if they don't, then we'll see everything retrench. That that's how I see it. Yeah, but let's leave it there. <clears throat> Not too bad for a couple of non-economists, right? No, come on, man. I mean, yeah, let's let's solve world hunger next. <laughs> so next industry relations, we're gonna talk Ukraine and Russia. <laughs> oh God. Hail to the no. And that's that that's just happen. a shadow over all of this, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. interesting. Hail to the no. But yeah. uh, hey, so once again, um, if you have listened all the way through to this, um, we really want to be able to name ourselves, but we'd appreciate it if you would uh, check us out on YouTube, the Industry Relations Podcast, and give us a subscribe so we could get a name. And we promise once we get our name, we won't beg anymore. Yeah, and we just need a thousand people. So, I mean, that's... Yeah. I'm not sure if we have a thousand news. Hopefully we have a thousand uh, viewers and listeners and we'll see what happens here. We'll see what happens. So until next time, Greg. Ciao. Thanks, Rob. Take it easy. Later.